the boys started, oh, Paula, stop shouting. You're shouting. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Everybody should know this man is a rapist. And I was shouting, I was shaking, and but I never felt more free at that point. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Hecate, and this is Finding Okay, a healing podcast for survivors of sexual assault and any and all abuse. Today, I'm joined by Paula Mula Mula. Paula is the host of a wonderful mental health podcast, Talk Shit with P. Her podcast is about real talk, providing safe space to talk about mental health, discuss real human issues, and highlighting authenticity. She's always shining a light on people who are working hard and pursuing their dreams. She fosters a supportive community that loves to learn. Paula is the shit-talking self-care queen, and there's always good vibes and laughter when you tune in. And now it's time for... Trigger and content warnings for this episode include the following. Trauma, abuse, sexual assault, rape, substances sex, religion, and spirituality. Please check in with yourself and make sure you're all right to continue. Are you okay? To be honest, I don't know if I'm okay. You know, um, how you live every day, you're trying to be positive and you're trying to be grateful because it's a new day and it could be worse and, and shit. And But when you have so much shit that's not going right, it's hard to actually be okay. But then also um, I'm learning not to let my worries affect me because I'm not as religious, but I do pray and I found God again when I, when I went through my depression. So I learned that if you're praying on something and also worrying, nothing's going to solve because you're not having faith in God to take care of that problem. So I'm trying not to worry and I'm trying to be ho- happy. So some days I am okay and some days I'm like, fuck this world. <laughs> I very much feel you. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're like, listen, I want to be okay, okay? I want to be happy, but then... You're also like, man, how can I be okay when all this shit is going on? And I also don't want to be that person who's constantly like, fuck, this is wrong. Fuck, this is wrong. Fuck this. Because I don't want to be a negative person. I want to be a fucking positive light. So I try to be okay. But then I also don't want to fake being happy, you know? That that thing I wanna I want to genuinely be fucking happy. Like I strive to be happy. So it's a process. Yeah. It's hard too because like you don't want to be negative, but at the same time you have to be honest and you don't want to be one of those like toxic positivity people that are like, it's like, I, I'm not, you know, going to manifest that negativity. Like everything is like sunshine because I believe it is and blah, blah, blah. And like rainbow shoot out my fucking ass. And like, oh my God, yes. 
it's not like that. Like, it's like, no, there's like shit that's very wrong in the world and everything's on fire. And like, and I know that there's a middle ground where like, there's some kind of Zen middle ground that I need to find and I'll find it, but I'm not going to fucking lie and say it's, it's all good because it's not fucking all good. And that's the thing. And, and that's the thing. When, when, when people... When when people are used to you constantly promoting uh positivity and being happy, they constantly expect that from you. So you feel like, oh my God, I need to present this way, but I'm not being my authentic self if I'm presenting that way. If I'm not okay, I'm fucking not okay. Get over it and I'll talk. But also, I, I'm trying to find a thin line with being negative and 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 being positive but being positive in our authentic space where i'm like yes um i'm not okay but i'm going through this 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 but i'm happy but fuck it no i'm not happy i don't know if that makes sense (laughs) no i i feel you like and for me i'm like trying to like i don't I don't want to be putting more negativity out into the world, but like, I'm going to be honest about what we're all facing together. And like me being positive is instead, like, it's not, I'm not going to lie to you. This sucks. And this is hard. And we're all in a lot of pain and everything's very difficult. No one knows what they're doing or how to fix it. And it's terrifying. Like, you know, so like, I'm going to be honest, but we're all here together. Try to like find that that supportive positivity like the support versus like fake positivity where it's like no it's not it's not good yeah just just sort of that thing like well we're all in this hole together like Mm -hmm. and kind of like link arms and like well we'll figure this out or maybe not let's see but we're not alone yeah that's certainly what I'm trying to navigate to I've I've so I've so fucking feel you with that yeah, but I, I, I'm grateful for, um, I have amazing people in my life, right? Not all of them I get to see as often because everybody's busy. Everybody's trying to figure their life out. But I have these two people. Um, shout out to Malaysia and Cleta. Without these two people this summer, this, I don't know what I would done because we all go through shit and we allow each other to be open. I, we don't care if you every day you're you're going through shit and you need to talk about it. We we allow each other to have that safe space. Like Malaysia, me and I work together. We do events. With her. So anytime we, we meet up, she'll tell me what's going on in our life and we'll talk about it and then I'll share. Then we'll do a little bit in between gossip of whatever is going on in the world to, to, to cheer us up. Then we'll talk about business and what we need to change. But we also like motivating and supporting each other and just uh, and these are the people we're like yo we're i'm broke but i need to get out of the house and we'll just buy champagne and drink at the at the park or you know just chill at the balcony and smoke a blunt or but just so that we are not alone and just having that so most weekends if it wasn't for them i don't know man like i get excited about weekends because half of the time i'm home you know the thought of like oh my god i have so much shit i want to do and every shit costs money and you're not bringing in as much as you want to 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 do for all these projects that you have so even the thought of going out and spending more money that you don't have is is terrifying but at some point you're like you know what 
the world is tough enough. Fuck it. Let, let, let's do something. Let's, instead of just being home and worrying about shit, we'll just do something. It doesn't have to be extravagant or expensive yeah. or by, you know, just being in each other, with each other and either going to dance or karaoke or poetry or it's just, you know, it takes out of our own head and just being there and yeah so shout out to those two girls man that's so important and that's well said because you do need those things like because otherwise like why are you working it reminds you that life is worth living you have to continuously like And shit will always come up. The law, you, you'll be sick. A family member will be sick. You will need this. So money, you can't say that I'm away to have a good time later when I have more money and stuff. You got to live as you're going through shit because otherwise you will never live and you'll be, I don't want to, to exist or survive, which I am right now, but I'm still trying to have a fucking good time as I'm surviving. I don't want to be those people who I'm just surviving through life or just, no, I want to have a good time. Even if I'm fucking broke or whatever, God, please, I don't want to be broke forever. I'm just, but all I'm saying is I want to have those memories to share those experiences and to just, and as I said, most people think when you go out, you have to spend a hundred, two hundred, three hundred. Half of the time when I go out, I didn't even spend $50. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just finding ways to to enjoy life in a cheap budget. <laughs> yeah. No, and there there are definitely ways to do that. Like, I loved seeing the Instagram posts of, like, they pop up on my feed. And, like, I love seeing your face whenever you pop up on my feed. And it, it always makes me so happy. And I loved the ones of, like, you drinking champagne and eating, like, red velvet cake in a park. And I was like, yes! <laughs> and, I only, I, 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 and I only spent less than 20 because I went to Publix. If I could have gone to Kroger, I would have, but Publix was closer. Because Kroger is more cheaper, but I went, I got my cake, and I got... uh, And here's the thing. People think to drink champagne, you have to drink the most expensive champagne. No, I drink an $11 bottle of champagne. That's it. And I went went to the park, and you know, the, the water, the sea just chilled. And I ended up running into an old friend who I haven't seen since 2015 when we stalked Rihanna. Um, <laughs> together, but he ended up being uh he has moved into the this side of town of mine, and we just sat there, smoked a blunt with the water, and drank champagne, and came home, and I was so happy. It was less than twenty bucks, and that just makes me happy. I was in nature, yeah. I was chilling, I looked cute, I did some photo shoots. That's it. Yeah, little things make me happy. Like yeah, oh yeah. No, that's the that's the thing that'll like lift your soul and carry you through the hardship. It's important. Yep. I would love to hear a compliment that you've received and that you've never forgotten. When I was growing up, right, being being a tomboy and shit, I never used to think of myself sexy or hot or any of that because I I didn't even care. I love just hanging with the guys and doing guy shit. Sometimes the guys themselves, they'll be like, you know, Paula, we forget you're a girl sometimes. Can you wear a dress once in a while so we remember you're a girl? But then every time I do show out because of my size and my legs and shit, I get those hot, the sexual comments. And I used to be such a sexual person. And those comments used to make me so happy. Until recently, when I started podcasting, right, and joining these communities, and 
finally being this authentic self and just being my positive self. And a lot of the comments I would get were how I'm such a positive light with good energy. And I didn't know how much the compliment meant to me until I, because uh, most when I started podcasting, it was um, during COVID. So you're getting these compliments from online. So you don't, you're like, but okay, I'm, you, you're just getting that from online. You haven't like met me or seen it. So it didn't get in my head as much until I attended um, the conference podfest this May. And I met all these people in real life from the people who have known each other for one year, but through the screen. So finally being in each other's presence and stuff. And everybody's comment was like, okay, we know you have this energy and positive light on the screen, but it's so much louder in person. That shit stayed with me. Like to know that I bring that energy around people and people resonate with me. And most of these people are the ones who are in my season uh, five right now episodes. And they they talk deeply about that. And to know that I touch people in that way, that's the most amazing compliment to me. Like, because I don't like negativity and I don't like being a negative in, in people's life. I like being a positive. That's why I always tell people, because when I started my journey of healing and finding myself, I got rid of the negative people in my life. Like, if you're bringing negative, I'm cutting you off. And I used to tell people, if I'm a negative person in your life, by all means, cut me off. I won't, I won't be mad. You got to do what's healthy for you. So to hear, I bring that positive light and energy to these people. It just warmed up my heart. So I would say that has been the best compliment ever not i don't care if i'm not hot or i'm not sexy or whatever <laughs> like fuck it i'm a positive light i bring good energy that shit just makes me happy you can be both <laughs> i can be both but i'll still take the other one over the mm -hmm. other and the thing is i personally know i'm fucking sexy so i don't need anybody you know whether you tell me or not i don't give a fuck but hearing that i bring positive light and energy into people's lives mm -hmm. that means the world to me it's easy to be sexy or hot you know that's why there are doctors and plastic surgeons like it's very easy to be that whether naturally or unnatural but to be a positive light and and you know that yeah it's gotta it's gotta yes. come from there yes totally different thing yeah. yes so no, yes. it's it's so true you do radiate like this really wonderful like warmth and just like good vibes like and ever ever since like I, we got to know each other a little bit like all those years back and listening to your podcast even just like it comes through in your voice too like you have such a wonderful voice and like even just talking to you now, I get those like ASMR tingles that like I used to think of when when I got those tingles when I was talking to somebody in person, I used to think of them as I wanna be your friend tingles. Like I don't know you I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but just that yes. like, good, good, yes. like someone's playing with your hair, that like tingle on the back yes. of your neck just like yes. And I, I get that listening to your voice. I get those like I wanna be your friend tingles. <laughs> It's, it's weird like you so say weird. that. It's weird you say that about my voice because I fucking hate my voice. Like I hate yeah. editing my episodes because I have to listen to myself. I feel like I'm so loud and like like this annoying-ish voice. But a lot of people tell me, "Oh my god, I love your voice. I like listening to you." And I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. I like, I don't get it. Like, 
but but thank you <laughs> you do the Wonderful. same for me you remember you remember when you came to my podcast and what i told you you have this soothing voice like literally listening to you just comes the fuck out of me like it just creates a safe space oh thank you yeah no like you say that and i instantly like dropped my i was like thank you thank you <laughs> The sexiness came out. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Um. You you even forgot what the- <laughs> But what uh what is your favorite color or color combination and what do you associate with it? <laughs> oh my god. And this is just the beginning. I feel we're gonna laugh so much in this. <laughs> I think you're right. I think we're get like just like strong giggle person like energy through this whole thing. I think that's a good thing. I, it's a good thing. So back to your question. Of course, purple. Purple is my favorite color. That's why my logo also has some glimpse of purple. And it's weird because I hate pink, but somehow it resonates to pink, especially since also I have pink hair on me right now. I love your hair. Thank you, darling. Um, but I love purple. Whenever I see the color purple, it just makes me happy. It makes me feel safe. I don't know why. I don't know how that came about. But it just makes me calm. Like, I get excited when I see the color purple. Like, I will end up buying shit just because it's purple. <laughs> I also kind of like bright colors. Like, I really love uh, yellow and green. And then later I came to find out green is associated with mental health. But I like that bright green. So I was like, oh, maybe that's about bright yellow and green. Yes. And it's weird because my house, I decorated it um, mustard and navy blue because I also like mustard because it's kind of like yellowish stuff. But yeah, <laughs> but purple is my die hard, baby. <laughs> nice. Wow. Like the mustard and navy, that sounds like... I like that combination. It's not the one that I've like really thought of, but it sounds like really classy. When I, I know, I love it. it. I like it. I love it. Like so, anytime I work, because I work at home, goes right. So anytime they come out with mustard pillows, or I'm like, bitch, you don't have money to be redecorating. But I've been looking. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I want that. I need to change my pillows. I need to change. And I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> but, yeah. If I had to summon you in a ritual, what five things would I need to place as offerings at each point of the pentacle on the floor? A journal, a notebook. I'm constantly like, I can never go anywhere without a notebook or journal. I swear I buy so many. And recently I've started also gifting them to people. I feel like my friends need to start jetting stuff so i i buy i get excited when i see that and then probably uh, a book i love reading i buy too many books right now i'm reading um gabriel unions we are going to need more wine i'm finally getting the chance to read that but i read a lot not as much as i would like to these days you know you grow up and there's so much shit you have to do that 24 hours feels like so little with the list of shit you have going on and the day goes by so fast so um that will be it and then um i am 
I'm not big on jewelry as much, but rings, I love rings. So, you know, you got to put a ring over there. Like, I get excited about rings. I have so many of, even from primary, where my friends used to give them, and I still have those rings. And I don't, even when they go, you know, because sometimes you buy cheap rings because they look cute, but then they start dying out. I'm not throwing it. I'm keeping it. I'm wearing it. I don't care. Like, if I love it, I love it. Uh, Let's see. Hoodie. I'm such a hoodie girl. Like, if I could wear hoodies throughout, like, I love hoodies. And not just hoodies, but even sweaters with, like, I just love having something to cover me. It's like a shield. So these days I'm learning to buy even T-shirts or dresses with, like, yes, that's me. Like, I can oh, buy a jacket or shit. Dress with yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that those will be the five items. And nice. if it's not trendy, maybe you could also put a blunt there. That could work. Yes. <laughs> we could do that. We could put that right in the middle. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <sighs> well, like, we'll, we'll set up your five items and then, like, and then, like, light up in the, just in the center and wait for, for the spell to work. And yes. Like, to, bring it on. Yeah. That sounds good. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And what are three essentials to your self-care? Well, number one, you got to always have champagne and a a blunt. Like, they go together, so they are one, you know? You got to have the champagne and a blunt. And if it's not champagne, maybe beer, but when I'm self-caring, I prefer champagne than beer and my blunt. And then bubble bath. No Mm -hmm. bubble bath. And then um, a book or a Netflix show. I, I can binge, like, literally. But yesterday I was doing my hair. I binged on two shows while doing my hair. I binged on Bling Empire. I just love trashy TV. Something about it. And somehow I get a creative ideas when I watch them because they be doing some stupid shit. And, so, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> That could turn out, oh, I get episode ideas because of the shit they be going through or stuff. So um, whenever I want to find my creative side, I binge trashy TV. So yesterday, while I was doing my hair, I binged on Netflix, um, The Bling Empire. It's an Asian show, rich Asian people. Oh, my God. I didn't know how poor I am until I started watching the show. I'm very poor, like very, very poor. Like I don't even know I'll get to that level rich, but it's it's mm-hmm. a motivation of oh my god, that life exists. Okay, cool. And I binge watch on too hard to handle the Brazil one. The new season came out, so <laughs> <laughs> those people got went bankrupt in 24 hours. The highest in the show, but yes. But yeah, so a book and or a Netflix show, depending on the mood and vibe I am in. So, so I wanted to kind of start by asking about how you got into podcasting and uh, and what your podcast has meant to you during COVID. This is a, a a very funny story. Um, I went through a breakup in February, right before COVID, right? But then I was busy. I had two jobs, you know, 
me and my friend Malaysia were planning our 420 event. So I was busy. You know, when you're breaking up and the guy at that time had just moved back to Canada. So it wasn't even over here. And you don't think about it. You're like, fuck it. And then COVID happened. And then I got stuck at home with no shit to do. So we were drinking a lot, you know. I was living at that time with my roommate who his brother was in town and his boyfriend. My roommate didn't drink much, but she cooked. So she was the person who was feeding us. And the brother and the boyfriend drank. We'd be like, even at 8 a.m., oh, we're going to the liquor store together. Yeah, let's do it. We would always. So we were drinking a lot together and... Good thing the building I lived at, I was very close to my friends. Like one of them was walkable distance. The other one were in the same building. The pool area was closed, but the barbecue area was open. So we would be like our quarantining buddies that would chill at the, because it's an open air. We need fresh air. We would have space between each other, but we would just chill there and drink and just, because too much was going on in the world. So I was drinking a lot and I'm an overthinker, you know. I live in my head. The cancer in me has the best, like, um, so you drink, you're with people, you're happy, you go home, you're by yourself with your demons. I go in my head, I, I start thinking about my breakup, I start crying. And then in the beginning when the lockdown happened, nobody knew how long COVID would last. Nobody was taking it as serious until more days were added and shit was getting real and you're like then in my head I was like man do I check on him do I not do I uh, but I want to know if he's okay and shit and I ended up writing a very serious email to him because we had blocked each other everywhere and um it was kind of like me saying all the things I didn't say when we were going through the breakup, because, you know, I was at that time when we were breaking up, I was already over the shit we were, we were constantly fighting about. So when it ended, I was like, fuck it. But then I had time to myself and to process things. So I wrote my piece and then I ended it. I hope you're okay because I do want you to be okay. This was a person who I truly loved. I, you know, he was my soulmate. We had plans with our life together and shit. So it wasn't just like, oh, you know. So I went on Twitter because I'm a Twitter venter I, I love twitter like twitter is such a a space where you laugh you cry you just talk shit so i wrote on twitter about the email i wrote and one of my friends was like you know you talk a lot of shit on twitter you should start a podcast i was like you know what i should right because a few years back me and my two other friends wanted to start a sex podcast because sex is taboo in our country um and I like talking about sex. I like having sex. I like exploring. I like, but most of my African friends find me weird because I'm constantly talking about sex because they didn't grow up talking about sex. But I grew up, I was raised more American because of my father's background. So I talk like, I'll go out and if I do something, I'll be excited to share with my friends. Oh my God, guess what I tried yesterday? And they'll be looking at me like, did you have to? Like, even I remember the first time I, I made a sex step, right? I always wanted to make one. And when I finally did, I didn't want to send it to my friends because I didn't want anybody to have it. But I did a, 
uh, a watch party for my sex tape because I wanted to show people how good my sex tape was. <laughs> I never knew that was an option. <laughs> like, you know, well, you don't want people to have it, so just show it to me. No, but, but, but it wasn't really like, oh my God, come to my sex, but it was like, we were just chilling, and this was my first white boyfriend, because I didn't want to do my sex tape with the people who I was dating, African people, because men would have sent it to their friends. Next thing you know, my dad on WhatsApp came out of it so when i dated the first white guy i dated i was like i'll do it with him because even if he sends it to his friends or whatever they don't know me they don't know my family like until it comes back to my dad or ends up where people are gonna see it's really not that so um the girls i was hanging out with were like oh but paula you know there's that saying of white men small dicks so they don't i was like the way I love sex, you think I'll be with somebody who can't do that shit? So I, I, I was like, wait, we're going to do this. Y'all going to watch my sex there. And and some other <laughs> friends who I called from back home, and I, I would, on the Zoom, and then I would hold the phone and they would watch. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to have a, a, a sex podcast, because I feel like most female um feel like sex is just for men like no you're supposed to enjoy too you're supposed to experience you're supposed to know yourself you're supposed to play with yourself you're supposed how else are you gonna know what you like or not so all those stuff so we're gonna start that but schedule you're not trying to do a show with two three people everybody's schedule gotta be right and shit so it never worked out so i I couldn't do it by myself because who goes who starts a sex podcast by themselves and just talk about sex like what's the point <laughs> like you're supposed to have somebody who you like talk and bounce back to each other and stuff so the entire idea of starting a podcast went away until this girl brought it up again and she's i, I call her my manager because we came up with her she was like yeah start a podcast i was like yeah cool we're gonna call it what are we gonna call it she was like well you talk a lot of shit i was like yeah i do so talk shit whippy was born i i started getting excited about life i literally woke up the next day and showered which most of the time i wake up and go to the fridge and get a, a drink and start drinking until i figure out well there's nothing else to do because everything else is shut so i woke up showered went on amazon started ordering a desk to create my office like i felt like oh my god i'm getting excited again about life i didn't drink for almost a week because i was just busy about what mic to order what you know laptop i was calling my friends to get uh to get a label uh, a logo made i was having conversation with my brothers i'm gonna start a podcast and shit and then it came okay so what is it gonna be about what's my first episode gonna be about and I was like, you know, a few years back when I first started talking about depression openly into the world, I had started a thing called Life with Paula, where I was talking about my journey with depression and we made a WhatsApp group with people who are suffering to mental health and stuff. So I was like, since I've been authentic and open about my mental health struggles, 
I should turn my podcast into a safe space where anybody can come talk whatever shit they want to talk about. It might not be important to other people, but if it's important to you and you want the people to know about it, well, then here's your safe space. So the first episode, I made it about my struggles during COVID with drinking too much and um, going through a breakup and being broke because there was no work was shut down and I wasn't getting unemployment or any of that. So, and I was so scared. I think the recording part was, was the easy part. The releasing it to the world was the other part. You know, I recorded it and the day I had to go post, I was like, fuck, this is me telling people what the fuck is going on. And, um, I got a lot of good feedback. People were very supportive. People were were shocked how I was going through all that and I didn't know people volunteered to help. And I realized how much impact sharing your story can bring to the world. So that's what I wanted my podcast to be about. Like, share your story. Because you never know who it's going to touch, who it's going to help, who it's going to reach. And it's weird. Until today, I've never listened to that episode. I can't. But it's it was it was until, I think, last season. But it was one of my most listened to episodes. And mm-hmm. um, it just made my podcast be an open space. And a lot of people throughout i've had my sister talk about her postpartum and and if anybody knows my sister my sister is a bougie as fuck she doesn't talk about her problems she's always looking good and looking rich you wouldn't even know if she's rich or not she's gonna have that so for her to come she had um, a covid baby and she had all these big plans of how she's gonna have a baby where she was gonna have it then covid happened and she had to redirect everything because you can't fly out you can't do shit and then she got hit by postpartum and people don't talk about that people just talk about oh my god the happy side of pregnancy or the but they don't talk that the times you hate your child but that not hate but you dislike your child but it's what's going on mentally. So she came and talked about that. My brother came and shared his journey with um bring a recovering addict because he was a drug addict and now he's clean for almost going 10 years. My sister, my cousin's sister came talk about being an Oreo. I didn't even know what the fuck being an Oreo was until she came on my show. And I've had people come and share their story about surviving breast cancer, going through diseases. So, you know, it's a mixture of both, but also I didn't, um, I advocate for mental health and I want every episode to touch on that. But also there's a season where um, I just highlighted, you know, I hate this thing where we see a lot of people out there that are building their brands or starting something and working so hard without any help, you know, having to figure it out and creating shit, but nobody will give them their flowers until they become known, you know, you have to 
be on on certain level and then everybody's like oh my god what you did was so amazing but you have been watching them do that but because now the world is recognizing them that's when you also want to give them credit so i wanted also to i like those people because now i'm i'm building my brand and i know how much shit has to go into this especially when you don't have the financial and you're just kind of figuring it out as you go so i had photographers editors djs whatever you're doing that you're creating from scratch by yourself for yourself i i wanted to give people their flowers while they were still because i had magazines that they're not big or anything but they reached out to me and wanted to feature me and hear my story so i'm like if they're giving a platform to leader or me who's still out here figuring it out i want to do the same on my platform so you know kind of like but also highlighting and advocating for mental health so it's been an uh, amazing journey i love it i never thought i would love it as much and i want to keep growing it and just being part of a solution and a safe space for people to just be their fucking self it is incredible tuning into your podcast and hearing just you're just so real you're so authentic and i think that's so important when when you are making these spaces for people to talk about this very raw stuff and uh and thank you for for shedding light on all of these incredibly important things that are happening to people and they end up feeling so isolated so alone with these very real experiences that are that are shared that so many of us share and there's just this huge stigma and thank you for helping break that stigma well you are doing amazing too cuz you're doing almost well you're doing way cuz i don't know if i'd be able to 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 listen to all those stories and and be okay cuz i've i've had some stories in your in your platform but you are giving these these women and these people uh, a space to to heal and that's important in this world so thank you too and also it's because of people like you people like us keep it going and you know for anybody who doesn't know she was also on my on my on my podcast i think it was season 3 so thank you to you too for sharing your story and your journey Thank you for having me. That was uh, that was like the first time I had ever guested on anybody's podcast. Um, I and- was your friend. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh it was so scary but it was so it was so important too. Um and and gave me so much courage and just made me feel like someone was listening. Um oh, and like, yeah. "Oh wow, I'm actually doing it." Like <laughs> I love having you. And and that's the thing about podcasting. These communities, it makes you meet people you never would have. It makes you have conversations that you never thought you'd be able to. It makes you heal without knowing you. Like I every time I speak on something or go on people and I keep talking about it, I keep healing and I didn't know how much that was important. and podcasting has brought that so it's something really to that as you pour so much of yourself into it you realize 
how much uh, how much growth and how much healing is uh, is actually like happening as you move forward. You look behind you and you're like, oh wow, okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I it, it's just been really interesting, like because we've just been this like these uh, like this orbiting like support uh, like via social media, like since COVID, since we, since we first connected and, uh, and both of us doing like similar work in, in different ways and, um, and just kind of like touching base with each other every so often and just showing, showing love every so often. And, um, and it's just been really, really beautiful. And also just really wonderful to hear from somebody else whose life has been transformed by podcasting. I loved uh, when you spoke at Podfest the first time. Um, just hearing like your your talk about how to have like saved. this affected like your mental health. How how much how beneficial this was for you, and I loved that. Hey, yeah. I I tell people um, I when I started podcasting, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to love it, if I was going to last, if I was going to do it, but. Um, it's amazing how the podcasting community, whether it's the Buzzsprout or the Podfest, or, but that community, those communities have such big support and free knowledge and people are just willing to help and support you way more than my fucking friends and family. And you're like, yo, this is a community I want to be a part of. So I know I'm never going to be wrong when I have this kind of support and it has just grown tremendously and there are so many people who like y'all I consider family and I've known virtually just two years from doing this but it's the impact that y'all have made in my life that is like wow this is a community I want to keep on going with I want to keep on giving back because they give so much to me they pour so much love and knowledge and and it's incredible like I tell anybody that the podcast I I don't know if other communities are like this because I haven't done any shit or joined any other community but the podcasting community that shit is is a big old family that's just filled with love and support and knowledge and I just love it. It blows my mind. Like my biggest experience of it was joining like that, uh, the Buzzsprout Facebook group. And just like, that was the first time that I was exposed to just this, this massive group of, of other podcasters and people who were doing this kind of work is like stumbling into a room where all of a sudden, like everyone wants you to succeed. Everyone wants you to have the tools to have the knowledge and they're willing to just like shower you with it. And, uh, and just like being in that kind of space, you realize like, Oh wow. All the other spaces I'm in. Aren't like, this. <laughs> like, like such support is there, you know? And you're like, Oh my God, this support is actually exists. And I want to tell you, um, especially for the podcast run, right? You feel the love on virtually whenever they do this. But when I was in there in Orlando, in that space with this, I was like, I need to go to more conferences because the vibration I got, the people, oh my God, podcasters are just incredible people. Like, I love it. I was like, I know. First of all, your conferences need to make them cheap because not everybody can afford that shit. But 
my plan is to to go to as many as I can. But if I can't, Podfest will always be one that I will always try to attend. But it's incredible. Like, I love it. When I had guested for you on your show, you had mentioned that you had a survivor story and that you had never really shared it and that one day you might want to join me on my show and talk about it. And so here we are. And I wanted to ask, and you can still say no, I wanted to ask, are you comfortable talking about it? And do you want to share what happens? Yes. Uh, you know, it's funny, right? You, you think you're ready to share and you know you're ready, but you're also like, <sighs> it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was in Malaysia, I survived a rape. And um, it's something I blocked for the longest time because I didn't want to accept it. And it really did change me. So um, we have this group of friends who we go out. You know, you're in college. What else you do? Go out, turn the fuck up, drink, you know. <laughs> so we normally go out and hang out. And after the club, because most of them closed at 3, 4, people still want to drink. So we go to whoever decides to host, you know. You go to whoever's house, you buy more drinks, you just chill, whatever. So um, I'm a person who, when I get drunk, I want to sleep. Most of the time, I would leave and go home. Quietly, I wouldn't even say bye because my friends are those people you say bye. They're like, no, no, stay, one more, one more. So I would normally just leave. And then when I get home, I would text and be like, I'm home. Don't look for me. Y'all have fun. You know, because you don't want people also to be trying to figure out where you are. Like, oh, my God, where did she go? Did she get kidnapped? Did she get lost? Is Yeah, so um, I was drunk, and um, I went to, to sleep in the bedroom. And um, I have no idea what happened. Next thing I know is one of my very good friends who I, I also used to be with her in UK. We were together in UK. Our families know each other. I moved to Malaysia. She was also there. She's like my big sister. And um, next thing I know, I hear a voice shouting at somebody who was on top of me. And my panties were halfway. So I wasn't sure if he had already done it or he was about to do it. And um, the guy, that's the fucking fucked up part. He was a guy who I went to high school with in Uganda. So it's not like somebody who I don't know. Like we have known each other for a long time. And um, people used to call him, he, he had a very... Okay, if, if I end up saying, <laughs> I was going to say something, but people might figure out who he is. And, um, well, I don't care at this point. But he had a weird head, you know, so we used to make fun of his head. And um, 
most girls didn't like him because of his attitude or shit. But I was a tomboy, so I got along with guys, but that doesn't mean I want to fuck you or be with you. Um, I just liked hanging out with guys. So um, my sister started shouting, what the fuck are you doing? Get off her. And, you know, you're not sure if you're dreaming or you are there. So I had the noise, but I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And then um, she got me and she started. uh, So the commotion was going in the bedroom and some people came and um, she was like, no, we're not going to make a big fuss about it right now unless Paula wants people to know. So we we got out. She 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 got me out of the bed. Uh, we went downstairs. We were trying to leave. And this at this point, it was in the morning. Like, the sun was out. And um, I still wasn't fucking sure what the fuck was going on. I just knew my my sister, I call her my sister, was very angry and shouting. And people started coming downstairs like, yo, what's going on? Why are you guys leaving? What? She's like, no, we got to go. So we went home. I showered and I slept. I didn't want to talk about it. I I just felt so ashamed. Like things were starting to make sense, but you know where you don't even want to ask because you don't want to know. Then when I woke up to eat, it was in the evening and I was like, so my sister came and was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not sure. Can you tell me what's going on? So she was like, oh, I found him on top of you. I'm not sure if he had finished or he was about to start. But we can go to the hospital and check so that you can file, figure out what the fuck is going on. I was like, I don't want to know. She was like, you're sure? Because, you know, after a, certain, after a certain time, they won't be able to figure it out. So this is your window. I was like, I don't want to know. Because I was embarrassed. And, you know, you're trying to be like, it's my fault. I got drunk. I passed out. Even though I took myself to the bedroom, this man literally came to the bedroom to find me. But I didn't want to know. I, I felt it was my fault. I felt I shouldn't have put myself in that position. So... I didn't want to know. And I started crying. She hugged me and um, I blocked it. You know where you just don't fucking want to know. But I didn't also want to be around those people. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to go clubbing. I didn't want to see anybody because in my head there, there was so much going on. Like, I'm blaming myself. I'm embarrassed. But then again, I'm like questioning, why the fuck would you do it? Did you did you do it? Were you about to do it? And then I'm also wondering what other people know, you know? What did he tell other people? What part do they know? What are they thinking about me? So it was all that shit going in my head and... I just didn't want to see his face, so I hid. And um, 
It took me a while. But every time my sister went out, I wouldn't go out. And every time he saw that man, she would just cuss at him and start something and tell people, can you all still be hanging out with him when you all know what he he did? And he kept saying, I didn't do anything. I was drunk. I don't even know what the fuck is going on. And this is things I'm hearing from when my sister comes home from the club. Because I wasn't going. I wasn't. And he tried to want to meet up with me and talk, but I wasn't in that space. I didn't want. I didn't want nothing to do with him. And... Nobody ended up saying anything, which also bothered me more because regardless, I felt like, apart from my sister, I felt like nobody stood up for me, you know? And the fact that they were still hanging out with him just made it even worse. That means you picked a side that, oh, just because he was drunk, it was okay. And... I think what hurt more was I was a tomboy. These were my boys, you know. So to have your boy do that and the rest of your boys still on that, that was the more painful thing. And my life changed after that. I realized that as much as I love partying and drinking, I had to be careful who I'm around. And so I stopped hanging out with most of those. I stopped. It's funny because um, I think around that time, right, um, I ended up losing my passport, not not at the same time, but after a few months. I ended up losing my passport as I was going to school to renew my, my visa. So I had to go home for a minute. And um, when I went home, I hid. Like, it felt like a new surrounding because in my head, I was like, people back in Tanzania don't know. This happened in Malaysia, right? So... I kind of found myself again by in a more in a more stronger person where I realized that people are gonna label you whatever the fuck they want, whether you're in the right or wrong. And I took charge of my own sexuality because of that. So I ended up using sex kind of as a weapon, you know, kind of destructive. Like, I didn't want to date, but I was going to fuck whoever I wanted to fuck. And I just became a whore for a minute. I was like, since men can literally do anything with no consequences, right? They can just take. So let me do the same. And then... um. My passport took longer, so I had to, 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 I couldn't go back for my semester because I had missed half of it. So they had told me to start all over again. So when I went back to Malaysia, I stopped hanging out with those people. 
I stopped hanging out with the Tanzanian community. I stopped going to the Nigerian African clubs. I started hanging out with my Malay people. I made new friends. Who one was Sri Lankan, one was from Dubai, one was two Malaysians who just we would drink at school in campus after class. We had our spot in Starbucks, right? Would literally serve that seat. Would go to class, leave our bags there. Like even Starbucks people knew that that table was the ours. And we'd get the Starbucks cups. We'd bring liquor from home and pour it into the Starbucks cups and just chill, or meet up in our houses and smoke blunts and eat. And people didn't see me, but I think deep down, I was still kind of embarrassed that I allow myself to be in that situation, and、um, I felt bad for myself. And then I started having regrets of not actually going to check and finding out if I was actually raped or about to be raped. And that shit distracted me a lot. And I think I was using my new group to hide out, even though I was enjoying it and. I was literally half of the time in my house,、um, which I liked it because I learned how to be my own person and figure out who the fuck I am. But I also felt like I was using it as a hiding out because I didn't want to face them. They were still like, "What are they thinking about me? What do they talk? What do they know?" So I finally told my sister I was ready to face this motherfucker, and. Whether he did it or he didn't, until today I don't know. But I do know he was trying to do it, regardless, because you were on. And I met up with him. I didn't set up a meeting because I was like, "You, you don't deserve me setting up a meeting. What you deserve is me popping up on you." So I did a pop up. He was chilling with his boys, drinking, and those same boys were supposed to be my boys. Oh, I went off. At this point, I was like, unless I speak up and cuss, I'll still have that I'm embarrassed inside of me, and I shouldn't fucking be embarrassed because I did nothing wrong. Yes, I got drunk. So what? That does not mean because I got drunk, you have the right to to. Take something from me.、Yeah. So I faced him, and I called him a rapist. And he kept on saying, "Oh, I didn't rape you. Oh, that's not what it is. I was drunk." I'm like, "Oh, so it's okay if I'm drunk for everybody to think you can take, but it's okay for you to be drunk and wanting to commit something. Make that make sense." And the boys started. Oh, Paula, stop shouting! You're shouting. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Everybody should know this man is a rapist. And I was shouting. I was shaking. And but I never felt more free. At that point. At that point, I never felt more free because at this point, I didn't care who knew. At that that moment. 
I didn't care who knew or what they thought or how they felt, but you trying to make me feel like I did something wrong by getting drunk, that was not right. So I did call him a rapist and um, I did tell him of his face and until today he says he didn't do it. I don't know if I believe it, but um, I felt good after there. I know I, I, I didn't, I haven't shared the story out openly or whatever, but to me, that was my moment. That was my moment of letting go the embarrassing shit I felt, the being judged, the questioning what people know about the situation. And and I cast everybody who was there that still hanged out with him and never came to me to ask, to question, to wonder whether I wanted to talk about it or not. You as my boys, my friends, you should have come to me. And let me tell you, like, I don't want to talk about it when I'm ready, I'll tell you. But none of you showed up for me, but you're constantly still with this man who might have or might have not raped me, but still was thinking about doing it regardless. It's that part because people kept on saying, oh, you were both drunk. You're not sure what happened. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I was sleeping in a room. It's not like I pulled his hand and we went to the room or something. It doesn't matter. I was sleeping in the room. He came way after into a room, found me sleeping and tried to do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. That, that was the problem. So whether I was drunk or not, whether he did it or not, he was planning to, because in my head, I'm like, okay, so what if my sister hadn't walked into the room? Yeah. Yeah. So, and so that you were, you were unconscious in a bed, it, surrounded by people you thought you could trust. Thank you. Where is the fucking fault? I, thank you. I'm so glad that you know like and that at that time like you knew that it wasn't your fault like as as much as like you struggle like i mean we we all do to varying degrees like experience that that shame that embarrassment that blaming yourself i'm so fucking glad that you knew like on some level like this was not my fucking fault and like this was a betrayal this was an assault and this man is a fucking rapist and all of these people that are sitting around him are enabling him and all of them betrayed me as well. Like, and I'm so fucking glad that you got to like say that to his face. I think that was my most proudest moment. Cause I was like, if I, I don't think if I had said it to him, I would have healed in some way. Cause I would, I, I would still be, Blaming myself deep down or wondering or being ashamed. So I'm glad I faced him. I'm glad I said what the fuck I said. And because in my head, I was like, why the fuck am I the one hiding? While he still gets to to be out and do his shit and move softly. So um, it became that anytime I would meet somebody with that person, I tell him, be careful with him, he's a rapist. And I didn't care. 
And I, and, and at one point he came to me and was like, "You need to stop saying that, otherwise." I'm like, "Please do, because I could sue you too, and I have evidence. Somebody saw you on top of me with my panties down. So it's not just that he said, she said type of shit. No." And just because you apologized and your apology itself is I was drunk. It's not like you took ownership. It was just like, I didn't rape you. I was drunk. I don't care if you did it or not. You were about to do something on a person who was blacked out in a room. And you should, you were somebody I trusted. Yeah. So... It took a while, and the other part is I didn't want to go through all that because my dad loves the hell out of me. And if my dad had known at that time, boy, that boy, boy, that boy would have. And mind you, my dad is a lawyer back home, so you. <laughs> like, so I also didn't want to put my dad through that process because my dad would have started worrying so much about me, especially me being also in a different country and all that. So, but one thing I'll give myself is I'm glad I stood up to him at the end of the day. I'm glad I said what I needed to say. And that shit felt so good. Eventually, when I when I started getting over all the the shame, the blaming, the I came to realize that at every situation you have to to take the lesson that it brings into your life, and that shit brought a lesson that you are, you are in college, you are a teenager. Drinking was what. You know, drinking, blacking out. Who didn't do that shit in college? So it's not like, you know, but also it made me learn to know my limit or also to learn how much to drink when I'm around certain people. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me that going home is always the best option because I trusted these boys and I thought, you know, this was our house. We we have hanged out at that house so many times. So it was like me sleeping in a room when I'm drunk shouldn't have been an issue or an opening for somebody to be on top of me. But, and it also brought me to, to take my ownership, like my whole face and all that made me learn that, Sex isn't something to be ashamed of because sadly, most people, when they get raped, they start hating the idea of sex as well, you know, because you go through that shame and you start hating that deed because every time it brings you like somebody took that away from you. Mm -hmm. But I had to learn to take power in that instead of allowing it to to victimize me oh so i was like okay so y'all think sex is the shit okay so let me empower myself by that so i'm grateful i just wish i didn't have to have gotten to that through that way but it did get me to be a a much stronger woman and learning how 
saying no, even if I've made out with you and I've played with your dick, doesn't mean that I have to fuck you. Even if um, I decide to foreplay with you, doesn't mean that we have to go all the way. And even if I wear a short skirt or drink too much or flirt with you, doesn't mean that you have to fuck me. And that empowerment was something else. And I don't think, maybe I would have, I don't know. But I try in every situation to 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 find the outcome of it, the best outcome of it. And I think this was the best outcome for me and for the person I am. I wouldn't want to have gone through that to find it. But yeah, that man doesn't get credit out of this shit. And since then, I still have that regret of not going to check, of not actually handling it on the first spot. So, but I truly, truly, truly from the bottom of my heart wouldn't have been able to go through this shit without comfort. That's my sister who listened, hugged, cried with me, never judged me and whatever I wanted to do she was willing to be okay with it. And I appreciate her for trying to push me to go get checked and file police report and all that because that's what I want for any other woman to do. Fuck these niggas or bitches, whoever ends up putting you in that position. But you will regret not taking those steps and um, a few years later, somebody I know got raped by somebody I know. And she didn't tell me when it happened because she knows how this shit means. And when she finally came and told me, my first thing was like, why the fuck didn't you tell me? And she was like, Paula, you would have killed this person. And I would have made her report and and she didn't want to make a fuss about it she didn't want her family to know because she was going through the same emotions i was going the feeling embarrassed the feeling shitty because it was the same you trust this person and this person we know and he gave her a ride home and she was drunk and he took advantage and i was like i'm sorry but I'm not going to smile at that person. I went off on that person. I'm like, I know you don't want people to know, but you can't also make me shut up and not go off on this person. I'm going to respect all your other wishes. But, and I told her, I wish you would have filed and gone. I know it's embarrassing. I know you feel embarrassed, but you were not in the wrong. So I feel like maybe if I had done that from that early on, Maybe when she went through it, she would have been able to do the same. So I know I've taken my time sharing my story, but I hope by sharing it, when somebody else goes through that, they take the action way in the beginning than later. Because maybe it would have saved my friend from feeling the shame and the embarrassment. Because it took her telling me 
that what she went through then i told her my story and in my head i was like if i had shared this way sooner maybe she would have handled us a little bit different and not have felt that shame and that blaming and that what she so that's my story thank you so much for sharing it and i know that i know that you sharing it now is going to help people who maybe are tuning in who have are looking for support who have maybe just had this happen to them and i want to say this if you are out there and going through this or end up going through it don't protect this person cuz i hid for a whole minute because i was protecting this person because of the shame i was feeling because of the judging myself and questioning myself and blaming myself while he was still out there living his best life when i wasn't in the fucking wrong so what if i was drunk so what if i passed out that does not give a right to anybody to do anything to you just because you were drunk and i wish i'd listened to my friend and taken action way earlier cuz they deserve the consequences they deserve whatever comes out from you sharing you reporting you're doing that and you should never feel sorry about doing that for yourself and you heal a little way more faster compared to putting it down there and i wish i had somebody who had told me that something that's worth mentioning is um it's always uh and because we're talking we're having an international conversation right now so this this happened to you in in a different country it's always good to know what the laws are uh about reporting or about testing in your country because in in the US in America you are able to go in and get the the rape kit done get the test done and you don't have to file a report there is an advocate that will be there with you when you get that done and then they can hold on to that kit to that evidence i think it might depend on which state you're in how long they hold that um anywhere from like 6 months to 2 years i think it increased to 2 years uh when a survivor like fought uh and took it to the courts um but they are required to hold on to that uh to that evidence and you have that amount of time like a year two years i will check and i will put that in uh episode notes to clarify that and you have time to to wait uh so you can file a report later while you decide what you want to do but you do have that small window of time to get that kit done. I um, wish I had known that. For some re- for some reason I thought when you go in to get tested that means if if the results come out that means you have to report. So that was See. my fear. And the thing is also our Malaysia is a Islamic country with all these weird rules. So I wasn't sure what the rules was, but then in my head it was just like if i get tested and i find that it's true it wasn't the fear of knowing that if I, i if 
I was raped or not, it was the fear of it being reported and then everybody knowing, oh shit, she got raped because she was drunk. That judgment, that embarrassment, mm-hmm. all that shit. I also have to find out the Malaysian laws or whatever. But if I had known that you can get tested and it stays for two years that it remains uh, confidential between you and whoever is checking you until you're ready, that gives you time to process. I would have definitely done it while I figured out my emotions and feelings and worked through that. But it's it's something good to know right now. So I tell uh, if you're listening to this and if you end up getting raped, just get it tested. It's better to have the evidence than come and regret later because yeah. I'm telling you for real, I regret not reporting the motherfucker. And that's a regret I'm going to live with for the rest of my life because I can't do shit about it right now. But I can share my story. And again, to me, I don't know if it was him finishing or starting. So there's that part that I'm missing. But it's always good to know. And I wish I'd found out and known to be intact. And But still, fuck that motherfucker. Whether he was yet and yet done it, he still didn't need to fucking be on top of me, taking out my panties while I was drunk, sleeping. Mind you, I, w- I would understand if I was drunk and, you know, we were grabbing each other and shit. And, but, dude, I had left the sitting room where everybody was chilling, walked to the bedroom to sleep. So sometimes I try to remind myself that I had taken out myself from that situation as best as I could, but you still came after me. Yeah. That was already wrong. And you were alone. You were isolated. He thought, like, you can't tell. I don't give a shit if he was drunk. Like, that was, like, calculated as fuck. Like, he was trying to take advantage. Like, you were unconscious. You were alone. He thought he could get away with some shit. And that's what he was trying to do. I'm so glad that your sister, like, that your friend was, was there with you. Oh, yeah, she um, she she doesn't drink, get drunk easy. She can drink like I, I like whatever. And I think she saw him going and she wondered why he was taking a little bit longer. So he, she came to check. But also um, the thing is um, because me, again, I tell, I tell people like anybody in Malaysia knows me. I used to, anytime I see I'm drunk, even whenever I would go home for vacation, I have literally lost, like I would rather go home then continue staying when I know I'm drunk. So I always leave. That's my thing. But so I think maybe he has always wanted to do it, but because I'm always leaving to go home, there's never, oh, I never end up in a house party. I'm never that drunk or I pass out in a sofa where everybody is. So this was the first time like, oh, she's passed out and in the bedroom. So I feel like it was calculator because that opportunity finally presented itself because I'm always going home or maybe I might pass out in a sofa but if we're in the sitting room and everybody's there you can't do shit so yeah that's some evil shit very much I'm so sorry and I don't even get it how do you even enjoy I don't know I wouldn't even enjoy sex with somebody who's conscious like 
that's so sick shit. Like, what the fuck Man. is wrong with these people? Man. Like, I don't fucking what the fuck. I, 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 I want both of us to be moving. I want to hear both of us mourning. I want to hear, like, how do we, like, it's a dead crops. Like, what the fuck are you even enjoying? Like, just, like, you really have to be screwed up in the head to think that fucking somebody who's blocked out even gives you pleasure or makes you happy. Like, Like, I have to, I have to think it's using somebody as an object, like, for your own pleasure. And then there's also, like, the power thing and the violation thing on top of it, like, you it like if somebody's doing that like you are a predator and you are seriously fucked up like I, I very like make it make sense like what part of that is fun i don't know but yeah so moving forward how did you telling him off is that the major thing that helped you like moving forward I'm curious how you moved forward and how you found strength and uh, and what your healing journey has been like. Oh, yeah, telling him off because, you know, um, I was hiding from, from them for, for a minute, right? I didn't want to go out. I didn't want them to see me. I didn't want to see him. But then I was depriving myself of a good time because of being scared to bump into him or to see his face. So when technically I did nothing wrong, so when I came to realize that, that's why I didn't even want to have like a one-on-one sit down with him. I was like, fuck no, I want to pop up while he's having a... And when I started saying the words and calling him a rapist and all, saying you, 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 you raped me and then he coming saying, oh, I didn't, I didn't rape you. I was just drunk. I don't even know what I was doing. And I was like, well, you were trying to rape me. Whether you didn't do it, you were still trying to. So me saying those words and literally they were sitting outside in a club and I was saying it in front of, I didn't give a fuck who was there. So at that point, that's when I was like, I'm not like that really helped me. Cause at that point I didn't care who knew I wasn't embarrassed anymore because it came to realization to me, it's not my fault. It's your fault. I did nothing wrong. So telling it out, I don't think I would have felt better if I had a one-on-one sit down because I would still be wondering what do people know? What did he go and tell his boys? What did he, you know? So me saying it right there outside a fucking club in front of everybody and just shouting, I was literally shaking. I felt like I was taking power of myself, ownership of myself. And that's the point where I was like, this shit ain't going to hold me back anymore. That's incredible. I'm so it felt fucking good. glad you did that and that you like had that and that's what he deserved. He, he deserved to be called out and like in front of a crowd of people. Like that's like this story is like uh, like I this gives me life. <laughs> and and I think from from there on like being able to do that. No, it is also it also taught me that throughout my life to constantly stand up for myself, no matter who's, who or what, like to, to, to say my truth, like, fuck you. So since then I haven't been, whether it comes to friendships or 
anybody like i will tell you what the fuck i think was going on like i think it came from that moment there because i felt like i took my power back because for the longest he took my power because i was the one hiding out i was the one blaming myself i was the one feeling embarrassed i didn't wanna but saying it there and not caring whether people could hear me whether whoever is going to think what or what they're going to talk afterwards but i said my piece in front of everybody and i said my truth i i no longer felt like a victim and that was the most refreshing i felt and after that i didn't hold back i started going out just not to the the same people i started doing me loudly and proudly and i started fucking for fun loudly and proudly <laughs> talk about taking my power back <laughs> fucking love you dude <laughs> i love you too bitch <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but yeah so it was a healing moment for me for whoever is going through this or we go through this Face that motherfucker and don't do it in a meeting of one-on-one. Embarrass him in front of his people, his peers. Take your motherfucking power back and let him live in his shame. Because they deserve to feel, they should Hell feel yeah. shame. Hell That's yeah. The problem is that, like, they're living in the system where like, yeah. where they face no, almost no consequences. And Why should I not- feel shame for something are- you fucking yeah. did? Yes. No. Yeah. Why is the shame? us and like we need to turn those fingers right around and yep. shame these fuckers yep. yeah like you know i i'm not big on um on shame in general like but this is one thing where it's like no if you if you're putting that on me like i'm a i'm gonna have to put that right back on top of you sir yeah you take that that's yours i'm not yep. carrying that for you yeah and it's so empowering like you feel so free after doing that i felt free and i just learned out to to not live in my shame like because i was living in my shame and after that i learned not to live in my shame and do me and it felt like i knew me was born like after that, I, I did not give a fuck what people said, what they thought, what I don't give a fuck. I said my piece and I told him, you should be lucky I didn't press charges because my dad would eat you up. If I call my dad right now and tell him what you did, you, you, in, the, in less than 24 hours, you'll be in jail. So I'm giving you your freedom, but I'm still going to shame you. You're going to live freely. But everybody's gonna know what you did. So I shout. So anytime I would see him out and I'd see with the guy, he's a rapist, and I'd walk off. Good for you. That's like that's what it takes. Like we should be we should be sharing this information with each other. Like I'm a huge fan of it starting to happen in like uh, women's bathrooms. Like writing like a like men to watch out for and like yeah like no like we need to know like you know like we need to be sharing with each other like whether we're friends or not whether we hang out or not whether we like each other or not we should be telling each other who the rapists are calling them out and uh and making sure that everybody knows like because we should all know and and it's funny because um me and him went to school together in uganda right and i actually um 
used to date, um, I think maybe this should have been a crew. I used to date one of his friends. In Uganda, it was a boarding school and um, I, there was one day there was a blackout, right? And me and this guy, we had sex in the classrooms when everybody was supposed to be in the do- in the dorms because it was dark, so we kind of sneaked out, met in the classrooms, fucked. But then the next day, the rumors started going. Oh, Paula and him fucked in the classroom. And I was wondering where... Uh, so I stopped. That's when me and that boy broke up because I was like, if it was just me and you, who knew? That means you went and told your boys and your boys spread it or you spread it. Either way... I get it when when boarding school in high school and you got excited about fucking your girl and maybe you shared it with your boys, but your boys didn't take your loyalty and they started going, you know, because the, the boys always get the high five and then the girls are being looked at. Even if that's your boyfriend at that time, but it's still like, and you know when you're in, when you're in boarding school and these rumors are going, you can't escape them because it's not like a normal high school where you go home and then you come back the next day. You literally live together in that one for for the whole semester. So there's no escaping it. Everybody's talking about it. And I was just like, and I was like, okay, so I fucked my boyfriend. Why is it such a, a thing? But it became a thing. And me and him broke up, right? Good thing it was like two weeks to school ending. And when we went home for holidays, I I threw a party, right, at my grandmother's house. I swear, this is how Tanzanians are connected. This is why I never made a, a sex step with a Tanzanian because we are somehow so connected. So um, I was actually leaving my my school in Uganda for good. I wasn't going back that semester. That's why to me, I didn't care. Okay, let this news flow, whatever. I'm not coming back this semester. But I hadn't told anybody. Even getting a transfer letter from my principal, I told them I was applying for a visa to go to the UK to visit my family. So I just needed a letter to prove that I'm a student here and I'm coming back. But that letter was to go to look for a transfer school back in Tanzania. So when I um I was doing a party to celebrate, so I hadn't invited those boys because I was like, fuck them. Me and him broke up. And whether him or his boys, they spread the rumors. I don't care. So I'm not having them. But one of the other guys who I invited, who I know from back home, he's friends with those guys. So you know in Tanzania, you have a party. Everybody invites everybody, turns into. So they walk in and I'm like, how the fuck are you even guys here? They're like, oh, we're friends with this, this, this. So um, the guys tried to kind of make things work. And I was like, sorry, no, you're going back there. I'm not coming back. I'm done with that school. And shit. And at that time, I hadn't even found a new school yet. Like literally, <laughs> my dad kept finding all schools for me. And every school I went to wouldn't let me in because the the Ugandan system and the Tanzanian system was different. So if they wanted me to transfer, I had to redo the class because in Tanzania, when you reach Form 2, which was known, you had to take a, a national exam. And in Uganda, you don't take a national exam. So because okay. I didn't have a national exam results, I couldn't go to the next class. I had to redo that. So every school I went wouldn't let me. 
Even though my grades were good, I had the paper, whatever. So finally, literally, my dad was about to leave in a week. School was about to start. I'd already told everybody in my boarding school in Uganda that I'm not coming back. I was like, Dad, I'm not going back. I already told everybody I'm not coming back. Like, So we went to this school, which is known for the rich kids who don't want who their parents just have money and the kids don't want to study you know those schools which they're just known for so we went <laughs> i didn't even see the headmaster they're like oh you want to move here what grade are you my dad even said the wrong grade and i could have actually climbed one class higher but i corrected my dad and they're like okay school starts on monday you can get the uniform here pay the amount here and i was like wait what what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> my dad, my dad was out of options and he really needed, and he needed a boarding school because my dad traveled a lot, right? So he needed a boarding school where I could be at school for the whole week and then maybe weekends come home when he's around. And I was like, okay, this works. Fuck it. I was like, that is the easiest school I've ever gotten into. Like, they didn't even look at my transcripts. They didn't even look at shit. My dad paid right over there because he was scared if this was a scam. We went and got <laughs> uniforms. Next thing I know, next week I was starting at this school. And I was like, okay, cool. So I never ended up going back. But then... Now to think about it, that that incident happened in Uganda and this boy was friends group with that guy. So as he always wanted to fuck me since then, because maybe he thought his boy got it easy. But in my head, I'm like, you do know I was dating that guy. Like he was my boyfriend. But yeah. everybody, everybody forgot the part of that was Paula's boyfriend was just like Paula fucked the guy in a classroom on a blackout like that was the entire story it was like oh but it was his boyfriend they've been dating the whole semester oh none of that nope i was just like huh so maybe you're the one who also started the rumors because you literally just tried to rape me but so when we went back home uh after malaysia after that incident happened after i faced him when we went back home i literally looked up all those guys who were his friends and i told them i was like your friend i don't know if you guys are still friends with this person but he's a rapist he he, he raped me yeah <laughs> and, and, and i hadn't spoken to these guys in like forever but my ex um that guy um ended up hitting me up and i was like hey can we meet up you want to talk and he came he was very sorry and and you know he was like yeah i don't talk to him anymore but it's so sad that he did that to you i'm sorry whatever it was very nice we reconnected he was dating somebody else moved on with his life and we talked about other shit but i did that like i was like you think you're just this is gonna end here in malaysia no we are all tanzanians we're all going home they're gonna know too you're my fucking hero. <laughs> <laughs> Swear. And that, that was all that, 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 that was from because I was still really, really regretting not reporting him. So I was like, okay, since I can't report you now, I'm still going to make sure that people fucking know. And it yeah. was like, I'm no longer embarrassed. I'm no longer shameful. I'm no longer whatever. So, yeah. Well, and, and that, you leave the consequences up to the community. Like, those are his consequences. And sometimes, like, you know, you never know how, you know, any of the legal stuff goes. Like, sometimes those can be heavier depending on the community. Those yeah. those consequences can be 
heavier than like the actual consequences he could have faced in like a court of law. Yeah. Never know. Who knows? Exactly. And um and the thing is the the group, those boys who we all used to hang out with, I stopped hanging out with them. Cause and, and, and I think that's when I started learning about cutting people off. I'm like, if you're all okay with it, then I'm not okay I don't with wanna you. yeah. And most of them were like, but how sure are you? Maybe we talk to him. And talk. I'm like, because none of you even came and checked on me, asked me. And the fact that you're still hanging out, even if you had a talk to him or whatever, I don't give a fuck. You didn't have that same talk with me. So to yeah. me, you associate. Maybe you also helped him plan it because you seem very easy. Cuckoo, kayaking. No, so fuck you all too. Yeah, and I can't question, imagine, like, not at least having questions for you. Like, what the fuck? My friendship changed, and when I went back to Malaysia, I became a whole new person, new friends, new lifestyle, new world. I was, even even the one time I took my, my new friends to a Nigerian club, right? And everybody was like, oh, my God, we haven't seen you for so long. I had literally been like three months. I haven't been to the club. Where have you been? I've been I was like, I've been hanging with more real people. People who have to <laughs> give a fuck. And it was my last year in Malaysia. So I just, I made those connections. Those people are still in my life. Today we went to, we ended up going to France. We had a ball and fuck that everything. But I feel like if I hadn't stood up to him, that shit would have, but I stood up to him and I told everybody. <laughs> I told all of his boys back home. And it was nice for those who actually reached out and, you know, by him. Good for you. You deserve, like, real people. You deserve good people in your fucking life. And I'm so glad we that all do. you found them and that you took the steps that you needed to, to bring them into your life. Yep, I'm big on that. That's why I tell people, if I'm negative to you, cut me off. Like, I'm big on everybody having the right people. You know, when you're growing up, you want to have many friends. You think that having many friends is that makes you happy and shit. And I'm a friendly person. Like literally, even when I was graduating, my dad was like, I don't know if I throw you a graduation party where I will do it because you have so many friends that I don't know where I can host all of them. Like I have friends who are way older than me, way younger than me, middle class. Like I'm a very friendly person. I make friends with everybody because in my head, I'm like, you never know where you're going to need this person, you know? And as long as you're cool and fun, I will be your friend. I told my dad, I don't want a graduation present. Just put me in the hotel. I stayed in a hotel right near my house. Like literally from the hotel to my house, I could walk. And the day I was checking that hotel, they've never had as much noise when I was staying there. Because all my friends would come, would hang out by the pool, would play games, would drink, would swim, then would go out, would come back. We made so much noise. I wonder how they never threw me out. But as I was checking out to leave, the ladies at the reception were like, so where are you traveling from? I'm like, oh. I'm from Tanzania. They're like, oh, so where do you stay? I was like, right around the corner. They're like, wait, why were you staying in a hotel? I was like, I didn't want a graduation present. I wanted to stay in a hotel for my graduation present. 
They're like, oh, we're going to miss you. You made this hotel so lively, the amount of people that were coming in and out. So I, I've always been, you know, people person and people pleaser and shit. And now I'm growing older and realizing half of the people in my life are just there for the good times. But when you're really going through shit, half of those are not. So that's when I started, you know what? I'd rather even have five fucking friends, but I know those fucking five friends will come through whether it's a good time or a bad time. And it took a process. Yeah. And now I'm this way. Now I'm like, cut people off. Like even on my timeline, I unfollow people. I don't know. I don't care even if we have known each other since childhood. If your social media is just giving me negativity or shit, I don't want to see, I will be the first one to hit and follow. Cause I don't want that. Like literally these days, my, my social, my Instagram is filled with podcasters. Every time I roll, it's, 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 it's podfest, massport, podcasters and shit like very rare. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, and cutting people off is self-care too. Like it really it's a form is. of self-care. It really is. It really is. Cause it's, it's about getting rid of, of the negativity. And you know, if you want to live a positive life, you have to get rid of the negativity. And I, in, in these two years, I've cut so many people off and people would ask me, they'll be like, Oh, I don't see you with this and this anymore. I'm like, I don't fight with people. Like I love all my friends. I'm not fighting. I didn't argue. I didn't, it just comes a time where you realize y'all don't serve each other's purpose. Like we can love each other from afar, support each other. And just, it doesn't have to be that. And I'm telling people, I'm like, if you all are constantly telling people to leave toxic relationships and all that, and if people who have been married for 20 plus years can divorce and end their marriages and break up. What makes you think friendship is not the same? This shit, oh, my day one, my day one. If your day one ends serving you, there is no point. And all this shit, Drake makes people feel stupid because no new friends. But the new friends I've made are more supportive than the old ones I've had for constant. So no, yes, new friends, yes, new connections and fuck toxic friends yeah. and negativity. Yeah. But people no, don't also, talk about that. They just talk about the, the relationship part. But it's the same with friendship. It's so real. Yeah, no, like, friends can be abusers. That's so real. I had to cut out an abusive friend. And the friend breakups, we act like romantic breakups are more important or more devastating. Like, oh, ending a friendship, like, are... it's just as significant, you know? They are way worse than, 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 than breakups. Because breakups, you know, you always... Any, any relationship you start, there's always this part where it could go either way. That's why I'm all about prenup because you never know. I will sign a motherfucking prenup because I'm not saying I, I'm wishing for, for the end, but shit happens. But with friendship, when you when you enter friendship, you never think about the end. You're just like, oh my God, we're going to be friends forever. <laughs> and, and you do a lot more with your friends because guys come in and out. Your friends have been through. And I've, I went through some shit with my best friend and that shit was so painful. We are now back talking. But, you know, mm. it's never the same because at one point I feel like we were both toxic to each other. And we had to heal that. So we spent like a year without being in each other's life. And that was the most saddest shit. Even most of my friends who I've broken up with, 
it pains me more than any motherfucking breakup with a guy that I've gone through. Because I hold my friends, I love my friends way more. My friends are my family. Like, that shit pains me more. But people think, oh, she was just your friend. You're going to be... No, that shit is painful. It's not easy getting rid of friends. Yeah. Or even finding that type of friendship again. Because every friendship is rare in its form. You can find that the, the love when you break up with somebody, you find a greater love. But with friends, you're finding that same connect because every, every connection with friends is different. So you have friends for this type, you have friends for this type. Cause so that shit is way more hard, painful than any breakup. Any breakup. Yeah. I'll cut off my family and I wouldn't even care much, but <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned earlier that you had kind of reconnected with God, and I wanted to make space and ask about that as well, uh, if faith has been a part of your healing. You know, I, I grew up in a in a very, um, you got to go to church every Sunday family. My dad was not a church person, but my mom was. And my grandmother on my dad's side was a very church person. She's a proper Catholic. She has met the Pope. She has gone to all the, like, she really is. And I think her prayers are the reason me and my family have survived most shit because she prays. She sends me rosary that are being blessed. She sends me prayer books. Everything she sends you, she blesses it. She takes it to church for the pastor to bless it. Like she's that woman and she's very strict with a Catholic. Now, my dad was a Catholic. So naturally we were supposed to be Catholics, but because my dad didn't go to church, and we went to church with my mom on our church. We became Anglicans. So my grandmother was so strict that even the days we would stay with her and go to a Catholic church, we weren't allowed to drink the wine and take the bread because we are not Catholic and it's not right. And okay. anytime we slept at our house, if you're going to sleep, don't tell her good night because she'll make you say the the prayer, the rosary throughout before you go to bed. So we would just disappear and pretend we fell asleep. Because that shit takes long, bruh. So, you know, uh, when I went to Malaysia, I was like, I'm finally free. I don't have to wake up on Sunday morning and go to church. Like, I hated it. And, you know, when you're forced into that life, you are like, no. So, um... Even going through that, I did not pray on it. I did not work on it with God. My healing didn't, like, I just healed in my own gangster way. <laughs> but it took me, uh, when I moved here, and I was going through a breakup, and that was the last time I dated a Tanzanian or a black person, then I started dating white people. But, he was my last one and he emotionally abused me. But in my head, I was already over the relationship, right? So um, I was okay with ending the relationship. It was more what the relationship brought. Because when I came to uh, Atlanta, I didn't know anybody. My family was in D.C. At that time, I was dating somebody in D.C. So I was constantly back in D.C. and back to Atlanta for classes, back in D.C., and then when we broke up, 
I decided, okay, and my family moved out of this year. I was like, okay, so this is no longer home. So now I'm stuck in Atlanta. I now have to make friends in Atlanta. So then I started dating that guy who I met most of the people through him. So the breakup was like, fuck, if I'm breaking up with him, um, I'm going to lose all these people because I knew them from him, right? Mm -hmm. So in my head, it was that. So it wasn't about the breakup. I was ready for the breakup. Like, you know, I've never been, I didn't even cry for that breakup. I didn't miss it. I was just ready to get over it. But it was more like, oh my God, I'm going to be alone because people are going to take his side and shit. Because it was, it was a good lie. It was a good manipulator. Like, but then I was also going through, so the depression, that's when I first felt the depression. And um, I didn't know who to talk to because, you know, in my country, you don't talk about depression or mental health or any of that stuff. And me and my mom were never close. Like, I'm so close to my dad. My dad knows every shit about me. But me and my mom have a very um, weird relationship and stuff. I can go two months without talking to my mom. But me and my dad, if it goes a week, we haven't spoken we start. Are you okay? What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I felt something told me this was a conversation I needed to have with my mom. So I called my mom, and I was crying, being depressed and shit, and and I was even talking to her about the breakup because at that time the guy was trying to get back to me. And that was the sickest part because I had even started talking to another guy. He found the messages. I, I owned up to it. Um, but he still was like, we can make it work. But in my head, I'm like, so checked out. Like, so checked out. This man, I was with him for almost a year and some change. And he had never bought me flowers. But after we broke up, I would get flowers almost every fucking day. And cards and letters. And so I was telling my mom. My mom was like... Now that he knows you have found somebody else is trying to get back into you to isolate you again, you've already left, don't take him back, it's not going to change, but gladly enjoy those flowers, put them everywhere, bathroom, toilet, everywhere, enjoy the damn flowers. That's why until today I hate, I'm sorry, flowers, like if you're, if you're fighting with me, buy me jewelry, don't buy me flowers, flowers are supposed to be for good time, don't, don't, so... Um, then I was telling him I, I, I'm feeling depressed. I feel alone, you know, homesick and all that. So she told me, Paul, I know you checked out with God for a minute. Start praying. See how that goes. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. And I started praying. I downloaded um, the Bible app on my phone. I would read Bible verses and I just started praying slowly. And every time I prayed, I felt lighter. I'm still lazy going to church, but every now and then I do go. But I pray almost every day with my Bible app. I have plans. Even on my social media stories, I know my post if something I know it could help somebody that I read and I felt a certain way I would post it. But every time I prayed, I felt lighter. Every time I prayed, I felt lighter. So I just kept on going. That's why even when I go through shit, like I'm an overthinker, I'm a warrior. And it took me a moment to stop doing that because every time I would read, it was like, if you have faith in God, you got to let go. And I've realized that every time 
I pray on my problems and let it to God and I don't worry. Somehow, somewhere, it figures itself out. So that's why I'm trying to practice less worrying, even though, trust me, it's not as easy as people say. Don't worry about it. It's not that easy. It is not that easy. Let's stop lying about that shit. Especially if you're an overthinker, you're constantly worrying in your head. So, but I'm trying, I'm learning, I'm practicing. So, yeah, I tell anybody, like, whatever you believe in, whether it's God, whether it's practicing meditation, yoga, reading, whatever it is, have more faith in that power. And prayer works for me. So that's how my relationship was. But it had nothing to do with that. It, this came way later. At that time, I was just a gangster hood. I'm going to figure this shit out. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I thugged it out because I don't know um, God would have probably told me to, to, to pray for him and at that time I was not in the mood to pray for no, no nigga who was trying to rape me so no <laughs> it comes to you when you're ready like and when you need it and I'm so glad that like if that's if that's helping you that you've like reconnected with that and that it's that it's helping you and that you have that in your life and thank yeah. you for talking about it is there anything that you want to say to the survivors that are listening today? Yes. So it's not your fault. You did nothing wrong. So stop beating yourself up. Stop feeling shameful. I know even though I'm saying it, I know it's going to be hard because I was there, but I'm literally telling you it is not your fault. You did nothing wrong. And face that motherfucker because it will make you feel way good. And if you can do it in public in front of people, fucking do that. Because sometimes the system fails us. And that shit hurts when you have to go through all that and the system fails you. So take action in your hand hands. Don't do anything that will take you to jail because that means he's also winning. But stand up for yourself in any way you can. Because that's going to also help with the healing. Otherwise, you're going to keep suffering. And the more you keep suffering, the more he's winning. The more he keeps winning. And also remember, there are people out there who are willing to help. So find someone to talk about it to, to share it with, to help you go through this. Because I don't know how I would have been able to survive if I had gone through this alone, even though at that point only one person knew. But she was a rock to me. And I don't think we have talked about it since then, but which reminds me I need to go and call her and be like, oh my God, thank you. But she was amazing, supportive, and ready to fight that battle with me. And if you have that person in your life, let them know it. Let them help you go through that battle. And take the test. Trust me. When you're ready to take action, you don't want to have regrets. And you are beautiful. Nothing is wrong with you. Fuck him. Oh, huh? Yes. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for giving me the space to, to share. Thank you for making me laugh and cry. <laughs> but more laughing than crying. But 
Thank you for making it so safe for me to feel safe to come on here and share this story because I've never shared this story. So I appreciate the hell out of you. It's that soothing voice. She made me, she didn't even ask me. I was the one like, I'm going to come and share my story. And I was like, fuck, it's that voice. But no, your platform, um, what it does and um, you just being open with, how you handle it, whatever I want to share, whether I want to be known or not known, whether I want my name out there. Or not. Like you make it easy for me to want to share my story. So thank you. Thank you. I can't tell you how just like deeply honored and how moved I am that that you chose this space to to share for the first time. Like that's so incredible. And thank you so much. I just appreciate much if i had to come and share my truth i'm glad i did it over here i know i'm not looking forward to the day this episode airs and people hear it but you know that feeling where you're kind of excited and nervous at the same time but (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh my god like because right now we're just recording so the day it actually airs but you have made your your episode such a safe space that i know it's the light platform for me to to share my story and let people know what the fuck happened to me then it's gonna shock a lot of people (laughs) because but i'm ready fuck that nigga (laughs) well and they're also gonna learn like even more fully how fucking incredible you are you know hell yeah i'm ready for people to hear my story to whoever it might help and whoever might learn something out of it. And, you know, cause it, it's not something that's going away. And, you know, I want just people to know out there cause one of the biggest thing I felt was the shame and the embarrassment. And that shouldn't be something you feel when you go through that. So People need to hear that, and I'm grateful I could come on here and for you to giving me the the platform to come and share the story, and I'm hoping it at least helps one person out there. It will. It will. And thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Please check episode notes. There you will find links to learn more about Paula, you can follow her on social media, check out her sweet merch, and tune into her podcast, Talk Shit with P. The season four letters for the Fire Project is receiving submissions till the end of the year. Time is winding down. Listeners are welcome to write a letter to their rapist or abuser, and I will read it during a special episode at the end of season four. If you'd like to learn more, you can listen to season three's Letters for the Fire episode and read the blog entry on the website to learn more about how to submit your letter and participate in the project. A huge shout out to my Patreon members who make this whole shebang or possible. Sadanka, Emerald, Kathleen, Betty, Sharanya, Ashley, and a special shout out and thank you to my newest tier three member, Christopher. Thank you so much for joining, Christopher. Your generosity just blew me out of the water. I'm so incredibly grateful. Thank you all so much. You all keep me and the podcast going. I've switched things up so that moving forward, 
video episodes will have your names appear on the thank you to patrons at the end. And a shout out also to Danielle for her recent five-star review. Thank you so much, Danielle. Your words mean so much to me, and I so much appreciate that you took the time to write them. I'm honored to be a part of your healing journey, and I'm so glad that you're finding the podcast helpful. So much love to you. I am currently fundraising to afford a Descript subscription in order to make Finding Okay more accessible to the deaf, hearing impaired, and neurodivergent communities by providing transcripts for episodes. This is the next big step for Finding Okay, and it will help me reach more survivors who are seeking support. Any and all help is appreciated. Massive shout out to Dull for her incredibly generous donation to this cause. We are so close to making transcripts happen for everyone. We love you, Dull! Come find me on Twitch for live streams and podcast Q&A sessions, where you can ask me anything. Become a Patreon member at various tiers to support the podcast and gain access to bonus picks, audio, sneak peeks, and occasional early access and video episodes. Make sure to follow me on YouTube because episodes from previous seasons are starting to become available. The video of this episode with Paula will be available to Tier 3 members. You can stay updated by following me on Instagram, and you can find me live streaming on Twitch where I play chill games, paint, do ASMR, tattoo, edit the podcast live, and do occasional Finding OK Q&A streams. It's honestly the best way to get to know me and connect on a more personal level. I hope to see you there. I hope you'll tune in on Tuesday, November 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern when Caitlin Bellamy, my guest from Purity Culture is Grooming, will be joining me for an episode discussion and live Q&A. This is the first time a guest is joining me for one of these, and I am so excited that you'll not only get to ask me questions, but her as well. We hope to see you in chat. Please visit the podcast website, www.finding-ok.com. It's where you can find all the links to my social media. It's where you can learn more about me and all my guests. It's where you can read reviews, leave reviews, contact me. It's also where you can find links to donate. Finding OK is crowdfunded. Twitch and Patreon are my main sources of income. I don't have a secret 9 to 5. It is listener support that is keeping the podcast alive. If only a handful of the people who listen to each episode donated one or two dollars, the podcast would be fully funded. If you can't afford to donate or become a member on Patreon, one of the best ways that you can support the show is by reviewing and sharing online or by word of mouth. Thank you again for listening. This has been Finding Okay. Black Lives Matter. Take care of yourself. Your heart is a muscle the size of your fist. Keep on loving Keep on pointing and hold on and hold on. Hold on for your life.
Thank you, darling.